0: Slash mv bible or youtube at youtube.com slash mv bible magic valley bible church built on god's word
1: well i i feel like a caged animal just got left out of the cage out of the den it's a joy to be with you here this morning it's always a desire to be able to to give God's Word, to be able to dispense it in such a way that that honors Christ. And and it's always tough to get the preacher out of the pulpit. So thank you for your accommodations this morning, just allowing me to kind of be holed up a little bit. Sickness I know is going around quite a bit, and um, it definitely has hit our family, and we're just trying to recoup, recover, and continue to march on. So with that, I want you to open your Bibles to Mark chapter 2. We're going to go back to the gospel in our exposition of the gospel of Mark, and just wanted to give you an update. Uh, last week, we gave a special sermon on um, the attack or the assault on, on conversion. Um, we haven't heard anything coming out of Canada uh, just yet, um, so as far as I know, everything went well. Um, they're still desiring to preach Christ and to honor Him, and, and so we appreciate those things. Uh, The only repercussions that I heard last week was from America, and uh, John MacArthur's sermon got um, tabled. YouTube thought it was offensive when the Word of God was preached, and and so they took him off uh, their um, platform. The other thing I noticed last week was that in Lafayette, Indiana, there's a bill about this whole issue on conversion therapy. I mean, this is hitting our, our states. And there they are fighting uh, within a Midwestern town, this whole idea that you cannot share Christ and convert people. And so be mindful of these things as they kind of come our way, and uh, don't be surprised by them. Uh, Continue to love Christ and to obey Him and to pursue Him. Amen? The title of today's sermon is Dismantling Legalism. I want to begin by reading our passage, starting in verse 23. Word of God reads this, and it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need, and he was he and his companions became hungry? and how he entered the house of God in the time of Abotard, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priest. And he also gave it to those who were with him. And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Let us pray. Father, we, we go to your word with a desire to, to study, to understand your greatness, to be able to see this conflict that has arisen often within your ministry, Father, where the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day desire to attack uh, your character, your divine nature, desiring to put a form of legalism upon uh, the law, Father, and yet just pray that you will help us, of course, through, through, through the word and with the help of the Spirit to be able to dismantle legalism, Father, to be able to, to rid it of our lives. Father, it's a weed that is so treacherous into our own lives and even within the church. And so we just pray that you will teach us this morning as we look at this issue, as it uh, comes before our hearts. We pray these things. Be with your servant, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, our passage this morning fits in a context where Mark has given us five, five conflicts uh, of Jesus and the religious leaders of the day. This is number four, and these are kind of in rapid succession. They, they are trying to stress the, the opposition that Jesus had when he came to, to, to give the gospel message. Of course... In this passage, Jesus claims lordship over one of the most defining of all Jewish identities, and that was the Sabbath day. If there were two identities, when you think about the Jews and Israel in particular, that they held on to and they didn't really budge, and they added laws and human tradition to them, it was the issue of the Sabbath and circumcision. Both of these were uniquely Jewish in nature, they were given to Israel by a covenant-making God to uphold and to follow. It identified them as a nation. Yet, as we will see, the law got in the way. The law got in the way of, uh, of living and loving Christ. And for that matter, the interpretation of the Sabbath day was misused and often misguided by the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day. And Jesus desires to set the record straight. He desires to push back against this human legalism. He, does, he understands that what he's going to do here is, is to strip them of, of the religious form so as to get to the heart of the matter, to help them understand exactly what is right and what is true. He pulls off the human band-aid of Tradition. And how Pharisees handle the Sabbath day and exposes their legalism and in turn points himself and says that he is Lord over the Sabbath. So what is that conflict here are two opposing views. I mean, this this is coming to a head. Jesus starting his public ministry, these oppositions are coming. They don't like the fact that he is is gaining a a, a number of people. He's shown his divine authority by by already showing his his healing hand and healing people. And here they come head to head, they butt heads. One worldview, of course, is Christ. There's two opposing views here. That of course, the lordship of Jesus Christ, and the idea for us to understand this is that this word says that the Lord is sufficient for all things. Why? Because He's Lord, He's Savior, and Redeemer, and because He is Lord of all, the one who follows Christ lives by God's terms. He will submit his life to all the things that, that God has said, and in, in essence, he will live in the grace that he gives. The other worldview is human tradition or living by human terms. This spills out from a, a form of legalism. It, it that in essence, puts shackles on divine truth and makes the person a prisoner to a system instead of following the heart of grace or the heart of the law. I feel compelled to explain this a little bit, and and so if you'd be so kind as to to let me just say this so that we know where we're going, this morning is going to be a long introduction, okay? Next week, Lord willing, we're going to exposit these verses, so I kind of want you to understand where we're heading with this. But I feel compelled to explain this idea because it becomes such an issue, even within our own souls, as much as we try to eradicate legalism from our lives, it, it often shows itself up in ways and, and we impose it upon not only ourselves, but other people. And so my hope is that you understand legalism and you understand its dangers, and then in turn, when we get to the text, you'll see what Jesus is doing here. Thank you, is that, I'm sounding that bad. That's a brother who knows a, I need some help. Thank you for that. And so we'll understand exactly what's going on with what Jesus is, is doing here. And for that matter, uh, I think my desire for us is to kind of sit back let us define it, let us examine, and allow the Spirit to teach us some things here so that we can root this out of our lives. You and I both know legalism is dangerous. It is something that, that, that squashes the grace of Christ in your life. And it's something that needs to be going after. And so this is a very serious issue, not only for the church at large, but for our own souls, just as it was important for the Pharisees in Jesus' day. So I'm going to give you a long introduction, just tell you up front that that we will bring our study of these verses next week, and we'll come back and absorb the issue and exposit what's going on. But I think you understand the background. Here we have Jesus confronting or confronted by the Pharisees. They're throwing a rock. They're trying to get underneath his skin. And of course, the issue is on the Sabbath day. Jesus is not playing the game right, and they don't like it. Now, legalism, it's important to understand it biblically. Let me tell you what it's not before we dive into what it is. Often someone will will label someone a legalist because they are narrow-minded in their understanding. Listen, if you know Christ, you are going to be narrow-minded. Scripture gives us an exclusive understanding of truth. And so I want you to tell you that it's not about being narrow-minded. It's not about absorbing an outside culture that says broaden your views and allow everybody to coexist. Right? That's not what legalism is. Legalism has nothing to do with being narrow-minded. If that was the case, we would all be legalists, right? Because the gospel forces us to be narrow-minded. So basically, legalism involves, and this is the point, involves abstracting the law of God away from its original context. What do I mean by this? Legalism involves abstracting the law of God from its original context. It pulls out the heart intent of the law and only allows the law to be left standing. It is rigid. It is cold orthodoxy. It is something that stands and says, this is a must, and this is what you must do. And this is exactly what's going on here, as we will see when we exposit this passage. In a simple way, legalism is defined generally as the act of putting the law above Jesus. But it goes deeper than that. I remind myself of a book that was very helpful for me early in my Christian life by R.C. Sproul. And he defined some nuances that I think are helpful. And so let me kind of paraphrase some of this for you. But some people seem to be preoccupied in the Christian life with obeying rules. We like a tight Christianity that says A, B, and C. And if you do A, B, and C, we're good. We like that type of Christianity. However, legalism is more concerned about the external living instead of the internal pursuit of Christ. It it, it, it voids itself of of, of a love for Christ in such a way that that the law gets in the way. That the law gets in the way. It has the idea and the appearance that, that what they do is more important than having a heart that is concerned about the heart of truth. Now, beloved... God certainly cares about us following His commandments, right? When we come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior, we desire to follow His truth, and so obedience clearly is something that He desires. Is the fruit of your salvation? I think of John chapter fourteen, verse fifteen. Look to the screen, just to remind you. It says there, "If you love Me," Jesus says, "you will keep My commandments." It's restated in 1 John 5, 3, where the Apostle John says, For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. And so obedience in the Christian life is something desirable. We desire to honor our faith in the Savior by obeying what he says. But there's more to the story, right? Thinking biblically about the law, and when we think about Israel in particular... God gave laws such as the Ten Commandments in the remember yourself in the context of a covenant. Remember, God calls out Abram. He calls him to a place and and gives him a promise that is so beautiful in Genesis 12. And he tells them that you're going to be blessed. You're going to have land. And there's going to be many people. You're going to be a, a father of a nation. The, the extent of, of starting the nation of Israel, and as we see that flow throughout the Old Testament. It was a covenant of love. It was a covenant of divine purpose. It was a covenant that, that, that gave the grace of God to undeserved sinners. Sound familiar? It should. It was a covenant that told the world that Yahweh was their God. And so when we think about even the Ten Commandments, often we look at the law and we rip it out of this context and forget that this came from a covenant-giving God who wants this relationship with with his people. And I think it's important often what legalism does, it strips us out of context, like I said earlier. It strips it, and it just makes it bare, and we live it by that instead of the heart of why it was even given. I mean, you think about Israel. Israel was called out of Egypt. There was a lot of grace given. As uh, Moses leads them out, and and they go through the waters, and and, and all these things, and, and God provided for them. Remember, all that was happening before the Ten Commandments came. He redeemed his people out of slavery in Egypt and entered into a loving relationship with his chosen nation, Israel. And only after grace was established did God begin to define specific laws for the nation to follow. And that's important for us to remember. Only after grace was given by God and established by God did he ever introduce laws in which the people were to live by to give him glory. I like what the Dutch theologian G.C. Burkhauser, or excuse me, if I pronounce his name right said concerning God. He said this in a simplicity, and I love the this, this statement. It says, and I quote, the essence of Christian theology is grace, and the essence of Christian ethics is gratitude. I love the simplicity of that. When you boil down Christ and all that He has done, He has given grace. So, in turn, you live in such a grateful way, a thankful way for the Savior and all the glory that God is doing. And so, at the heart of our Christianity is the God who gives grace. Remember what grace is unmerited favor. You don't deserve it, but God gives it. Unmerited favor. And so at the heart of our Christianity is a God who has given grace, and then in turn, that grace motivates us to obey out of gratitude and to serve him wholeheartedly with our souls and with our minds and with our actions. And so what the legalist does is isolate the law from the God who gave the law. He strips the grace from the obedience And at the center of his devotion to God is not seeking to obey God, to honor him, but he is focused on rules without this personal relationship with God. Often when we see legalism performed within the church or or even around us, we, we see a cold, lack of joy, lack of loving type of Christianity. It is rote, it's mechanical, it has the idea of keeping the law, it's stern, there's no joy in it. They have a scowl on their faces, they live like a woeful and pitiful Christian. Uh, You've seen them, maybe you've been one, but they are something that, that strips the grace and the mercy of God from the life of Christian living. Now, this obey-at-all-cost type of relationship with God that doesn't focus on the foundation of the law and the way in which it was given, which was grace, leads to a form of legalism that divorces, and this is important, divorces the letter of the law from the spirit of the law. That's what legalism does. What do I mean by that? We must remember that the New Testament distinguishes between the letter of the law, its outward form, and the spirit of the law. And that's exactly where Jesus goes. He often in his ministry goes after the heart instead of the letter of the law. Which he's not violating anything here. He's divine. He's godly. He's not doing anything sinful. But the question is, how does one keep the letter of the law but violate its spirit? Let me give you an illustration. We live in Idaho. The roads are... Pretty icy. It's cold here. But the speed limit says what? 35 miles an hour. The legalist says no matter what the weather conditions are, I'm gonna drive 35 miles an hour because that's the letter of the law. It it, it has no regard for for the safety of those within the car. It does have no regard for those around the car. It has the idea that I have the right to drive 35 miles an hour. I'm gonna drive it. That is stripping away, now the, the law was given in such a way, the speed limit, you and I both know if you have any common sense, that the law of 35 miles an hour is given in context that if the road conditions are what? Are good, are acceptable, are right. And when the roads are icy, when the roads are cold, uh, and it's cold outside, and things are frozen over... It would be foolish to drive 35 miles an hour. Case in point, just last, what, Thursday, Friday, the freeway was a mess because people felt like they could drive 80 miles an hour, and they found themselves in the ditch bank. All this is cold orthodoxy. All this strips the spirit, the heart of the law, and makes the law king and supreme. Legalism is a form, an ungodly form. It's a a form that strips Christianity, and it calls people to obedience to a legalistic system. Oh, it might be divine, it might be biblical, it might be right, but it loses the heart of Christianity. It loses the heart of what, what God has given us when it comes to truth. This kind of legalism uh, obeys the external nature of the law while the heart is far removed from the desire, the way God gives and the intention of the law. You know what the reason for the law is, right? The law is to convict you of your sin. That's a hard issue. That is a hard issue that says, listen, there's nothing I can do to earn salvation with God, and, and thus I need a Savior. And that's the joy of the gospel. God says, listen, you can't do it. I'm going to send Christ to you and for you so that you can receive grace, unmerited favor, and so that you can be mine. What a beautiful truth. What a beautiful truth. Now, like I say, every time we go to the gospels, we we, we look at this interaction and we see this conflict that Jesus had with the Pharisees. It, it's it's hard not to get to, to chapter 3, and, and this continues. And I kind of want to just read it for you, because you can see what's going on and understanding what's going on with the, the intention of the Pharisees in obeying a law and calling everybody ungodly who doesn't do what they think they should do. It says there in verse 1 of chapter 3, He entered again into the synagogue, and a man was there whose hand was withered. And they were watching him to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath day so that they might accuse him. I mean, don't you get the feeling that this is just totally wrong? Wouldn't it give God more glory to heal somebody, no matter what day it is? Not for the Pharisees. Verse 3, he said to the man with the withered hand, get up, come, come forward. And he said to them, is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save a life or to kill? But they kept silent. After looking around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, he said to them, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out, and his hand was restored. And the Pharisees went out immediately, beginning to conspire with the Herodians against him as to how they might destroy him. That is legalism. Instead of rejoicing that Christ comes and he shows compassion and he heals a man who had a wither arm, they look at it and say, he's violated our tradition. Sad. The Pharisees were concerned only with the letter of the law and avoiding anything that might look like work to them. That was their motive. But they missed the spirit of the law, which the law was intended against ordinary labor on the Sabbath day that is not required to maintain life. But if it changed the life, by all means, let Christ do his thing. They missed the compassion of Christ towards this man, and they missed the miracle that was before their eyes. They missed the spirit of the law. Legalism. Legalism dangerous, when absorbed. What's interesting to me about legalism is that I can find it in everybody else but myself. You notice that? <laughs> Look internally to see if you've established any type of legalism in your soul. If you were to interview my kids today, they would tell you that we had a, a, a period of our lives that they call the dark days, and it was riddled with legalism, riddled. You talk about stripping away joy of Christ in their life. And they often bring that up, and Shri and I often have the same response back to them. Aren't you glad that the grace of Christ changes us? That it can strip away legalism. Of course, they're only thinking about all the things that they couldn't do. They give us grace now. But I think it was a great reminder to teach them to look back and tell them that, that listen, son, listen, girls, this, this was wrong. And let me tell you why it's wrong. Because mom and dad wanted a, a form of godliness that denies the power thereof. Finally, there's a form of legalism. I think that we will all understand, I think we all understand to some degree that, that it's, it's adding to. It's not only making sure that you strip away the, the grace of Christ, but so often sometimes legalism goes to an extent where it continues to add things that are extra biblical. It is that idea that if somebody doesn't follow their legalism according to the household of that person, they need to be slandered or, if anything, shunned. Let me give you an illustration of legalism that actually happened in a church. There was a lady who attended a legalistic church, right? The church made her feel guilty because she didn't wear dresses, which had sleeves to come down to her wrists. They told her someone might lust after her because her arms were exposed. She tried to explain to them that it was unlikely this would happen since she is almost 88 years old. (laughs) They continued, however, to make her feel condemned for wearing short sleeves. Finally, she bowed to their pressures and bought a pretty dress covered with strawberries uh, with sleeves down to her wrists. She was excited to go to church that day, thinking the guilt trips would all be over. She asked the pastor's wife, well, how do you like my dress? And she answered, those strawberries are much too red. The dress is worldly. You are just trying to attract attention to yourself. Legalism, the problem of it. You see, the problem with the wife's answer was was that she defined holiness according to her own terms. It was void, and this was a heart issue, right? It was a problem of the heart. And her response, no doubt, squelched the joy of an individual to go to worship her Lord and Savior. By the way, this is a provision of God's holy word when we add things to it. And like I said earlier, legalism strips the power of grace in your life. It is a burden that weighs you down. The a lack of joy, yes. There's a lack of contentment. What do I mean by that? They're never satisfied. They're thinking that it, 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 it continues to do, that there's something more that I got to do. Let me say it this way. Legalism tells the world that Jesus Christ isn't sufficient. That his grace isn't sufficient. That we have to do A, B, C, and D, and we must bring it to head because Jesus needs a little help in what it means to pursue holiness. Listen, Jesus does a great job of telling us what it means to live for Christ and to be Christ, doesn't he not? Legalism, issue of the heart, issue of the heart. Listen, beloved, we have no right to heap up restrictions on people in a legalistic way, especially where God has not stated, right? I'm not saying not to have your convictions. Have your convictions, but make sure that you understand that these are your convictions. And don't make it a legalistic standard that you put on somebody else. I mean, we can go on and on, and we've probably seen legalism throughout our lives, and, and we desire to strip that, and, and I see the confusion because within the heart, we want to obey God, and we think that if, it's, it's, if there's something a little bit more that we can do to show our love to God, then we're going to do it, but how dangerous that is, so much so that the Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day opposed the ministry of Christ. When I was in Russia during those years, teaching at a Bible institute, and it was for pastors and deacons, and the question about smoking came up. I think maybe you've heard me from this pulpit talk about that. In those days, in the days of communism, anybody who had a cigarette was with the KGB. And the mindset was this the mindset was that if you smoked, you weren't saved. And so this discussion came up in class. They asked me what I said about smoking. Is that an unpardonable sin? To which I said, absolutely not. They were flabbergasted. They probably thought I was communist. <laughs> but I told them, ask me, tell me, where in, in Scripture does it tell you that if you smoke, you're not saved? To which they didn't know what to say. They had attributed smoking to the, the evil that, that was attributed to the communists who would punish them, unless anybody who had a cigarette was not saved. It was an issue of the heart, right? The only thing that makes a person either saved or unsaved is an issue of the redemption of Jesus Christ to change a heart or not. That's the problem, and they missed it. We were able to kind of talk our way through that. They, they, I think that they understood the principles of, of what it means to make sure that we don't add to the gospel. And making sure that we understand that, that yes, God can even save somebody who is even smoking. Is smoking a bad habit? Absolutely. It, does it defile your temper? I wouldn't recommend it. But does it make you... Lose your salvation. Legalism. The list can go on and on. And I can step on some toes. You know, when you talk about playing cards, when you talk about dancing, when you talk about some of these things that have plagued the church where the idea that this is what's holy and moral. I'm not saying that you run to immorality Nor am I saying, on the flip side, that we reject legalism so much so that we go to license and we do whatever we want, and like I call it, loosey-goosey Christianity, where you say, God's going to forgive me. I'm just going to do whatever I want. Two extremes. Two extremes. Far be it that we as Christians, in our pursuit of holiness... Would trample on the grace of God to desire and just say, you know what, I'm just going to do it and ask Christ to forgive me later. That's just as bad. And so within the midst of legalism and license, you have this desire to worship and to honor Christ. And of course, it comes down to the heart issue. It comes down to understanding exactly what it says. Desiring to understand the heart and tension of it, and to make sure that we're not offensive. You know what legalism does? It dims the light of the gospel. Can you imagine somebody who is so rigid in their legalism by what you are wearing determines if you're going to be saved or not? And they try to share the gospel? I remember when I candidated to this church 20-some years ago, 22 years ago, a question was proposed to me. There was a youth group started, and, and, and they wanted me to oversee those things and, and, of course, be involved in that. And one of the questions came up, and she goes, what are you going to do when somebody walks in with purple hair and earrings? And I said, well, I'm going to greet them in the name of Christ. And I'm going to go after their heart and tell them why they need Christ. I don't care if they have purple hair. I don't care if they have earrings. What I'm concerned about is a heart that is either redeemed or not. And that's exactly what's so important in our understanding when we share Christ. Now, oh, the world looks a lot different than who we are within the church. Does it not? But that's okay. You share Christ because you know that the change and the transformation of a heart will change the outward appearance of somebody's motives and desires and devotion. Legalism dims the light of the gospel message in such a way that it squashes the grace that you share with others. It's, it's, it's so important that you examine your own life, that you, that you start sniffing out things that you realize that, you know what, that's not right. I've told you the example. My wife has given me a a necklace uh, on our 25th wedding anniversary, and I wear it. I'm not a necklace guy, but it's special to me because she gave it to me, and I wear this necklace. I don't take it off, and and, and I think about that often. It reminds me when I see it that her, her love for me and our marriage. Your pastor went one day over to a house, and this was early in our ministry, and And I go to the door. I was helping the couple in in, in their marriage. And and the young boy answers the door is summertime. And he saw my necklace. And his face was white as a ghost. He said, Pastor Bear, what are you doing wearing that evil necklace? I said, Evil? I said, What are you talking about? The mom's face was, was classic. She was like, "Oh!" She literally put her hand over his mouth and drew him away. And we got into the living room, I said, "Well, what's that all about?" And she says, "Oh, bear, I, I didn't. My kids been wanting to have necklace and earring. They see all these things, so I just told them that anybody who wears that stuff is evil." <laughs> <laughs> and I shared with her that's legalism and says, you know what, it's right. And we brought the little boy come out, and we talked about the heart of that. And, and he was flabbergasted, because what do? it do? It, it undermined the authority of the mom. And she was gracious to tell him, to say, hey, listen, I was wrong in this. The husband's response was just as funny. He looked at him and she says, I told yourself that was going to bite you in the backside. <laughs> But what a teaching moment, right? Christ is concerned about what we do with our hearts when it comes to living the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's concerned about how you pursue. Does he want you to be holy because he is holy, 1 Peter 1.16? Absolutely, you pursue that. But pursue it in such a way that it doesn't strip the spirit of the law that you're able to live in such a way that that manifests grace, the same grace that you've been extended in Christ Jesus. Such an important issue that we would take 40 minutes to talk about and introduce before we dive into the text. I think the text will flow for us, understanding this background, understanding the, the importance of it, and I pray, Lord willing, next week that we'll be able to not only be well, but also be able to to dive through this and, and see what Christ is doing here and how he's going to shut the mouths of the Pharisees by saying that he is Lord of the Sabbath. Amen? Father, we do thank you for the morning and for the joy it is to come and gather, to be able to even introduce an issue within our own souls. You had stern words against those who practice legalism. You go so far as to say that they are whitewashed tombs. Father, our desire is not to be external Christians, void of the truth. We desire to live in the lordship of Jesus in our lives, to be able to live in such a way that honors you, that pursues you, that has a heart of this grace, allowing, yes, your divine word to guide and and govern our ideas and thoughts and, and actions, but also understanding the intent, this relationship that you have brought us to in Christ Jesus. The world looks at the church often and is trying to, of course, in its own depraved way, trying to to see if they want to be a part of this or not. And my fear as a shepherd is that sometimes we do a greater job of, of hindering the grace of Christ by the way that we call people to live. May we pursue sanctification with the right intention. With a heart that desires to honor you with what we say and do, and because it's biblical. And so, yes, your word will govern what we say and what we do. But may we never add to the scriptures to tell somebody that they have to quit smoking in order to be saved. Father, you go after the sinner's heart and you transform from the inside out. Let us remember that. And let us evaluate our own souls as we put this truth in front of our own lives. Spirit, have your way with our thinking. May discussions happen outside of the body, within the home, within the families. May the truth of Christianity and the pulse of grace and mercy and forgiveness be the desire. Yes, we must put off sin. But may we live in the grace, this unmerited favor that is so clearly seen in the giving of Jesus Christ to be crucified on a cross, to die for our sins, to resurrect on the third day, to ascend into heaven. He is Lord. And so we thank you for your truth this morning, and we thank you for the body and the the body of Christ, and may you continue to have your way within our souls. We pray these things in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, who has given us life, who has saved us, who has redeemed us. We pray in His name. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to the Magic Valley Bible Church Sermon Podcast. For more information, please visit us on the web at www.mvbibletf.org or Facebook at facebook.com. Slash MV Bible or YouTube at youtube.com slash MV Bible.